You guys always sing, seem to sing the right songs for the right occasion. God must be in the equation somehow, I bet. It's always wonderful uh, as a pastor to see how God is working in the background of everything that we do as we try to do it in his name. And I believe that that's something that he does in each of our lives individually. Uh, but oftentimes we're uh, so preoccupied with so many other distractions that we're unable to see uh, the workings of God in the everyday. And one of the reasons why I've decided to go uh, the route of detox after the beginning of the year is because I think it's a good way for us to kind of reset our lives and begin to uh, take those spiritual realities that see us through each day and put them more front and center. But a lot of times, in order to do that, it's like anything. You've got to take some things out of the way so that you can put some things uh, in place that um, otherwise wouldn't fit. And one of the things in detoxing uh, that, uh, that our culture does, I think, in, in, in not such a good way, uh, is, um, is it causes us to constantly be responding to the promptings and the notifications and the dings and the rings and all of that, that um, uh, at, from, from, from the, uh, the beginning of the day to the end of the day, um, uh, this little device right here uh, happens to be one of the chief of sinners. Did you know that when they made these phones, the idea was we would have more leisure? And um, it started off with one of these. Uh, they said, if you have one of these, it will make your life much more efficient and you will have more time, free time on your own to do those leisure things that uh, you would like to do. Now, I don't know who said that, but I wish they could just uh, uh, come around and fess up to the fact that whatever it was that they were thinking at the time, uh, as it turned out, <clears throat> I think it's probably the total opposite. <clears throat> because no matter where you go, there it is. And if you're um, in, in the workplace still, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, no matter where you go, uh, this device reminds you that perhaps there's work to be done. And uh, they've actually engineered into this device uh, a, a, a part in the settings called notification. Now, you can't see it very well, but there are at least 20 different notifications that I can get at any given time about things that are happening around me. And I can choose how I want to receive these notifications, whether it's from my phone or my messages or my podcast or my SoundCloud or my wallet or my mail or my Kindle. You know, and pretty soon you're like, every time I just look at that thing, it dings or it makes a little banner and it reminds me that I'm missing out on something. And the one saving grace in all of it is is that somewhere in the settings, you can actually turn off your notifications. And whenever I found out that that was a possibility, I'm like, thank you, Lord, that you can actually do something like that and not just be constantly reminded that you need to attend to something 
based on 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 really the dictates of of this uh, of this device. <clears throat> Do you guys remember? Uh, uh, maybe some of you studied in school um, uh, classical conditioning. Uh, Ivan Pavlov. I don't know if you remember him. He was a physiologist. And basically, uh, if you've heard of Pavlov's dog, you might know where I'm going with this. But the idea essentially was um, you can condition a dog to respond based on certain promptings or lack of certain promptings. And every time uh, there was a prompting, there would be coupled with it a type of reward and when there wasn't a prompting, there wouldn't be a reward, essentially. But the, the, the upshot of all of that scientific discovery about human nature was his assumption was we are basically people that live in terms of stimulus and response. If we get a stimulus, we're going to respond. And the fact of the matter is, my dog does function that way for sure. Whenever I do certain things, like open up the refrigerator and find a carton of eggs and begin to make scrambled eggs, he knows that if there's anything left in the pan, he's going to get it. I mean, and, and he can tell just by the way I open up the refrigerator door. He is so tuned into this that he knows that, oh, it's time for eggs. And then he's all over it. And there are a variety of things that I do that have very subtle sounds or actions associated with them that he just immediately responds to them. And that's certainly wonderful for, for Nigel, who is a, he's a dog, he's a, a great pet, but um, he's, 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 he's designed to function that way. But God has made you and I to respond uh, to things differently in life. It's with careful consideration and deliberation that we do things. We are designed not to just live uh, lives going through uh, each day uh, based on the dictates of a phone or a computer or any other number of stimulations that can come into our world that we feel that we have to respond to. But what we find is all of those things kind of take control. And in my mind, it's one of the biggest cultural things that we need to detox from. And uh, perhaps you're in the same boat as I am in, in that regard. And the other, the other side of that coin is the fact that the more these things happen, the more I feel like I've got to, got to do more things and I've got to hurry through life and Pretty soon, all I'm doing is going very fast and responding to, to dings and bells and banners and anything that would try to capture my attention. Somewhere along the way, God may be telling yourself and myself, you got to slow down and you got to put the brakes on it. And I want to just look at this a little bit from the standpoint of driving a car. Uh, last night, I drove uh, the toll road uh, back from Toledo pretty late, uh, coming from an event for my son, which I enjoy doing. Uh, but uh, whenever I was heading up to Toledo, I made sure, because I've been trying to slow down a little bit, uh, I've been trying to not respond to things just stimulus and response all the time. 
basically I've been trying to get control of my life again. And it's been not an easy thing to do. I made plenty of time for myself to drive up to Toledo on Friday. And I wanted to just go basically the speed limit on the turnpike. Is that even a possibility, by the way? Um, but I, I, I attempted to do that, and I made plenty of uh, margin in my time so that I would arrive there uh, because I was called to also judge uh, debates while my son was debating. And I thought, I'm just I'm going to be relaxed. I'm going to get there on time, and I'm going to get some food, and I'm going to have a little bit of margin just to kind of recover, and then I'm going to go and do what I'm called to do. And I had it all planned out in my head. The funny thing was the school that I went to had uh, two schools. There was a North View and a South View, and there were two high schools. And I ended up um, at the wrong school. And I'm waiting, uh, eating my lunch in the car, and I'm, I'm thinking, all right, now I probably need to go in. And I go inside, and I'm looking for my son, and I can't find him. I call him. I see all these kids there because speech is at one school and debate is at the other. And I'm at the speech school instead of the debate school. I even saw the South Range bus drop off kids. So I'm like, I'm in the right place. I called my son. I said, uh, where are you at? He said, I'm in the cafeteria. And I said, well, I'm in the cafeteria. I can't see you. And, uh, and I said, is there a gym by you? And he said, yeah. I said, go to the gym. I said, do you see brown and orange chairs? And he said, yeah, I see brown and orange chairs. And I'm like, well, where are you? And I said, do you see a scoreboard with numbers on it? And he said, I see the scoreboard, there are no numbers. And I asked him, what universe are you living in right now? And he said, where are you? I said, I saw them drop you guys off. I know that you're here somewhere. Meet me at the front end of the uh, school. So I went there to meet him, and I don't see him. I said... Am I in the right place? And he said, I don't know. Are you in the right place? He said, are you at North, Northview School? I said, no, I'm at Southview School. I had, I had about 20 minutes to get to my destination so that I could get registered and online with judging. My stress level just went through the roof. And I'm sitting here thinking, I tried to do things the right way, and now I'm scrambling and stressed. And I realize that hurry sickness runs pretty deep in, in all of us. It is actually something that psychologists have said it is uh, labeled as a type of syndrome now. And here's how you can find out if you have it. I'm going to open up my technological device here, and I'm going to tell you how this works. Because I'm going to be in control of this rather than this be in control of me. I just said that in the pulpit, and I hope it works. Okay, so here, here's how you know if you have hurry sickness. Um, uh, do you have a clothes dryer with steam that, that, that steams the wrinkles out? Do you have a dishwasher that not only cleans the dishes but pots and pans? Do you have a toaster oven and a microwave to warm up your prepackaged dinner? And you're probably saying, yeah, I have all of that. But you know you're veering into uh, hurry sickness territory if you have a robotic vacuum. Anybody have a robotic Okay, there we go. Uh, confession is good for the soul. And it, as you're looking at all of those things, uh, maybe uh, you are being sucked into this high-tech vortex like the rest of us because you've got a lot going on. But here's some symptoms to find out. 
Um, do you do these activities? Do you move from one checkout line to another because it looks shorter or faster? Yeah. And you do that chronically? Okay. Do you count the cards in front of you to make sure that you're going to get through the stoplight or it's going to turn red? Or um, do you... Um, accidentally put your clothes on inside out or backwards and if you really have it bad um, you might even sleep in your daytime clothes to save time in the morning so that's when you know that you're completely off the rails now I'm guessing based on what I can see here that you haven't done that I have to tell you I almost did it this morning I put my shirt on, and I'm like, why are there little strings hanging out from, this, from my shirt? I don't remember the shirt having that. I'm like, that looks really bad. And I started to get some scissors to cut those little strings off so it would look neat. And then I'm like, I've got my shirt on it inside out. So I'm only preaching this sermon because uh, I, too, uh, am addicted to hurry sickness. And um, I know that, con that, that the first step is admission. But the reality is, it, this goes all the way back to Bible times. The writer of Ecclesiastes said, What do people get for all their anxious toil and striving, which they labor for under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Now, if you're thinking that you might have some issues here, just consider these things. If we, if we carry on in moving at the speed of life, we, first of all, we miss out on so much because we are, we're not necessarily too busy, but we are too hurried. And I like the, um, the, the, the little kind of saying, and you see it like on plaques at Hobby Lobby and, and, and things like that. But some of those, when I see them, they sort of get in my mind and I'm like, yeah, I need to consider that. And this is one that really sticks uh, there. And that is, it says, yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why we call it a present. And it's a way of saying, God's given you this day, this moment. You need to just pay attention to that. And that would be good enough. During the Christmas season, we read a passage from Luke where it said, And Mary pondered these things and treasured them in her heart. And just looking at the saying and Mary's activity, it's a reminder that we have to put the brakes on all of the hurriness because the sickness is there, the stimuluses are constantly telling us what to do, and God's saying, no, you stop, you step back, or you're going to miss out. And as we look at our lives, we know that um, it's it's so embedded in our culture that we are constantly thinking about what's ahead and thinking about hurrying and thinking about getting ourselves there and, and getting people around us there. And even kids miss out on it, maybe because of the phone, but maybe because of all of the 
things that we have them doing. And, you know, we maybe take our four, five, six-year-old to uh, um, a sporting activity and we engage them in it and we say, okay, now go and play and have fun. But the only thing is it is so structured for them that they're not really playing or having fun, but the, the adults, rather, are looking at that and saying, well, this will give us a chance to get ahead because in 14 years, we got to make sure that they have that scholarship that they need. And there are pressures and there are um, uh, just patterns of living in the life that we live that keep us out of the present so we miss out on kids developing, keep our minds too far in the future, worrying about the what-ifs, and as we're moving in that direction, we go so fast that we don't stop and see what's around us. The writer of Ecclesiastes said, slow down, because in his observations, he noted that most people are motivated to success because they envy their neighbors, but this too is meaningless, like a chasing of the wind. And so if I have one of these phones, not only do I need one, but my kids tell me they need one. But it's not because I have one, it's because everyone in their social circle has one. This is, this is standard operating uh, procedure to have one of these at seventh grade. And if you don't have one of these, then you're going to spend all of your time envying those people that have one. And it's just too much to bear. Now, we start young putting these things in place where we're looking around, thinking about whether or not we measure up, and as a result, we're missing out. And I like how... um, when we're driving down the road and we're in a hurry to get somewhere, we don't see anything except those obstacles that are in our way. And the highway is a really good metaphor to describe your life and mine if we allow these things to remain front and center. Because not only do we miss out on the things in life, we pass by the things that are so critical. And Hurrying is a way of, um, uh, 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 of basically um, living a life that is not as God intended. Now, I like what Dallas Willard said. He said, we must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. And why is that? Because hurry is the biggest enemy of love. If you're in too much of a hurry to stop and attend to the people around you, you can never love them. And if you love somebody, the one most important thing that they need to understand is that you are attending to them. Now, I've tried to go to as many of my kids' events as I possibly can. And I know that if I'm not there, they're looking for me. Because they want to at least know that I'm paying attention to them. And I can't tell you the number of times when I've been too busy hurrying that I wasn't paying attention to them. And now I live, as I uh, look backward, in, um, in, 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 in 
with some degree of regret because the hurry obscured the love. And so we, we not only miss out, we pass by. You can't unring the bell. You can't undo what's been done. And the reality is, hurry is not just a disordered life. It is a disordered soul. The writer of Genesis, uh, we assume that's Moses, said, as we shared last week, that when God made us in his image and likeness, and he breathed life into us, the scripture says that we became a soul. And there's something special about being a soul. It is the thing about us that encompasses our personality, the the consequence of decisions that we've made to either build our souls up or burn our souls down. And our soul is that one gift that we have been given to take care of. But if, if, if you would compare your soul to that car that is so used to going so fast down the highway, that car that maybe you get in and you go but you don't take care of, Maybe you don't check the air in the tires and you don't uh, put oil in the, uh, in the crankcase on a regular basis and then all of a sudden that car says, we're not going anywhere, we're broken. And it isn't so much because the car was engineered to break that quickly, it was because we didn't stop, take time, and attend to what we need to attend to. And our soul very much is like that. That's why we meet for worship on the first day of the week, so that we can take our soul and we can bring it before God and we can ask him, Lord, is my soul in the shape that it needs to be in? And if it's not, then help me to slow down enough to see those things in my soul that I need to attend to. Because I don't want to break down along the road, along the way, for reasons that have to do with abuse and neglect as much as just wearing out over time. So we miss out, we pass by, and our disordered souls ultimately, uh, they can lead to a, a crash. Now if you've ever driven down the highway and you've seen a crash, you know how horrific it is to to witness something like that because you know there is so much that is going to be affected by uh, just one very quick brief uh, encounter with a guardrail or another car. Lives are changed. People are crippled or they're killed. Or one person inadvertently affects another person's life because they didn't take time to slow down and think about what they were doing. They were too busy being in a hurry, and hurry sickness affected both innocent and guilty alike. Well, for us, when our soul is not where it needs to be, uh, chances are there are things going on that could kill us. Did you know that the number one, and I'm sure you're aware, the number one killer in, in life, for life in North America is stress. It's the, it's the summation of bad hormones overriding good hormones, of heart rates running too fast, too long, of blood pressure working too hard to 
service the rest of the body, yet fatiguing all of the elements that uh, are the pathways for uh, that servicing. It's not getting enough sleep. Did you know that the number one way to reduce stress is just getting a good night's rest? And so there is a whole industry, there's even a store at the mall that is there to show you that if you can just purchase this one item, this one bed that goes up and down and all around, that you can do it on the one side and the other person can do it on the other side, you get this bed, then your life will be where it needs to be forever. Or you get the one million thread count sheets from somewhere in the Middle East, and you're like, you get those sheets, you're sleeping like a baby. Or you get that one pillow that's got that exotic, um, you know, coffee bean that's been curated by um, Tibetan monks that is embedded in that thing in such a way that the husks are there to give you uh, that perfect night's rest. And all of those things are really marketers' ways of trying to tell you that your stress is killing you, you need the rest, and we can provide that thing that you need. But the problem isn't your bed, it is not your sheets, it is not your pillow, it is not even the type of wood that your bed is made out of. The problem is what you're doing before you go to bed. And that has to do with your soul. And if you don't take care of it in a way that puts that hurry sickness to the side, that takes all that stimulus and response and says, you're not going to rule over me and distract me and maybe even kill me, but I'm going to take control again of the wheel and I'm going to do what I need to do. Well, how do we cure this? How do we detox from hurry sickness? Well, I think if we use the car metaphor just a little bit more, we have to, we, we, we can't just slow down. We have to pull over. And we've got to get on the side of the road. And we've got to stop and we've got to check ourselves. And we've got to think about what's going on around us because the, um, uh, the, the pace that we live in and the effect that it has on us is something that if you're not deeply concerned about, God is deeply concerned about it. And he's written, he's allowed so much to be written over time to help us with this very matter that um, Solomon's father David wrote in Psalm 62. It says, truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I will not be shaken. And because this was a concern that David had that carried over uh, from time memorial, uh, some roughly about maybe 2,000 years later, if not, not quite that far, St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. And he of all people would probably know the value of that because of just the, the pace that he 
produce things for for God. The writings that he had as Bishop of, of Hippo and the churches that he was responsible for. And he realized that if he did not take time, slow down, look at his life, have that conversation, that critical conversation with God about what's happening out there on the freeway of life, and then begin to re-engage in a way that was healthy, that was good for his soul. He's just reminding us of what probably we already know, that there are a lot of forces at work, that if we allow them to take control of our lives and have increasing effect on our pace, on our rhythm, on our habits, on our responses, they'll kill us. The Apostle Paul said, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within so that you may um, prove in practice that the plan of God for you is good, meets all his demands, and moves us towards greater maturity. Jesus said, my yoke, my, my yoke uh, is upon you. Let, let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. And it's God's way of saying, stop and bring me into the equation because you've been bringing so much other stuff into your life that you know it's killing you. And the only antidote is to stop, pop the hood open, and then let God take a look at what's going on. And this is the hard part. Because for your soul and mind, God is the master mechanic. And maybe hurry sickness has taken root. Maybe you're doing that because you're running from something. You're running perhaps from yourself. You are looking at what's going on in your own life and you know that your soul is not where it needs to be, that the disorder in your life is really stemming from a disordered soul. And if you keep the pace up fast enough, you don't have to attend to it. Maybe as the master mechanic is looking at your soul and mine, he's saying, you've got a competitive drive but that competitive drive is based on a need for the approval of other people. Or maybe he's saying, you have something unresolved in your life that you need to ask forgiveness for, or a relationship that you need to reconcile. But the pace of your life and the continual prompting of, of the stimulations that are happening are keeping you from dealing with it. And your soul, quite honestly, is restless. And you need to find rest in him. So here's what you do. You take everything that is going on in your life and you lay it bare before the Lord and maybe he tells you a few things along the way. And God is constantly telling me to slow down because I'm a restless person. I have a restless heart. And there's a lot of things that I, I want to get done. I've got an imagination where my imagination and my ability to execute they don't, it doesn't always keep up. And God says, slow down. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and you know that there's going to be a line of people and you see another car coming and you're heading into the parking lot at the same time and what is your first thought? 
It's, if we find a closer parking lot, we can get in there before them. Right? Be honest. And here's what I've started to do. I've just said, God, I'm going to let them go first. If I'm at the door before they're at the door, I'm going to hold the door open for them and let them in. And it's amazing how God just helps you to find peace. And you also learn to be considerate. And one of these days, I may even earn the privilege of having a Christian bumper sticker on my car. But until I get control of some of these things, I know it impacts how people think about God as they see me representing him. So there are a lot of things at stake for you and I. Maybe it's just the fact that you've been responding to stimulus and response for too long. And God's saying, step back and start to take control of these things that have taken control of your life. Maybe your problem isn't that, maybe you're thinking, well, I'm just busy. But if you look at the life of Jesus, he was very, very busy. But notice, he was never too busy to take time to help those people that were surrounding him and in need and attend to the problem at hand and then move on with what he had to do. And in all of the busyness that Jesus had, he never allowed that busyness to overshadow that daily and perhaps moment by moment conversation that he needed to have with his father. And as God had worked in his son's life in that way, Jesus limited himself, embedded himself in our world with all of the demands of the day and all of the people clamoring for his attention. And yet he showed us the way. He kept his soul where it needed to be, centered in the Lord, and he kept the toxic elements from overshadowing the thing that he was called to do. My question as I end this message today, how is it that God wants to detox your soul when it comes to your relationship with technology, when you're with your relationship to activity, Perhaps the inner workings of things that you're allowing those things to distract you with. And maybe God is saying the biggest problem that you're having in all of your restlessness and hurriedness is that you don't have me. And I'd just like to end this with an invitation for you to invite him in. And when you do, you don't need all that other stuff telling you what to do. Because he begins to go to work in your life in a way that keeps you healthy, keeps you in a good relationship with him, that as a result flows into good relationships with others. And it detoxifies the life that we live here on earth by knowing him and loving him and learning to love other people as uh, we have been loved by him. Many of us are enjoying that relationship with him. Some of us, like our, my, myself, are not perfect in keeping the toxins out. But the reason I gather with you every Sunday is because I know in my heart of hearts that if I don't keep the Lord front and center, the toxins will take over and they'll have their way.